Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Rick Cesari. Rick has been a pioneer in the direct-to-consumer marketing industry for over 25 years now. He's used direct response strategies plus video marketing to help build many iconic brands, products like the Juice Man, Sonicare, the George Foreman Grill, OxyClean, Clarisonic, Rug Doctor, Momentous Golf, the GoPro Camera, and many, many others. Rick's strategies have helped grow four companies from startups to over a billion dollars in sales. That's a billion with a B. Um, and these case studies are outlined in his book, Building Billion Dollar Brands, available on Amazon. And then his book, Video Persuasion, teaches people how to use video marketing to create authentic testimonials, grow their business, and build their brand. And then his most recent book now that he wrote with his co-author, Jason Boyce, is called The Amazon Jungle, The Seller's Survival Guide for Thriving on the World's Most Perilous E-Commerce Marketplace. Guys, there's so many amazing things, obviously, that we're going to be able to talk about here with Rick um, in just a second. But first, really quickly, if you're a podcaster or a, 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 an expert that likes to go on podcasts, 
Um, so a guest, a podcast, or a podcast for yourself, you're going to want to head over to guestio.com um, and check out the software that we just recently built that helps connect you with the quality guests that you actually want to interview on your show. Or if you're a guest, it helps connect you with the shows you actually want to be interviewed on. That's guestio.com, guestio.com. Head over there, create a free account, browse through our growing selection of guests and shows. Rick, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the show today. Hey, it's great to be here. And thanks for such a wonderful introduction. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Of course. So um, I know I know you're tuned in from Mexico City, which tells me that your weather is a little bit nicer uh, than where I am in Las Vegas at the moment. Um, but uh, other than weather, how's how's everything going in your corner of the world at the moment? You know, it, it's going great. You know, one of the things that COVID brought on, and I'm sure you've heard this from other guests before, you know, is working remotely. And even though I'm in Mexico City, I'm down here for a couple months, you know, with my phone, computer, and Zoom, I, you know, it's like business as usual, and it doesn't really matter where you are. You can just keep doing business as like, like never before. So it's, it's fantastic. And to be able to be in a nice place helps too. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So let's go ahead, uh, Rick, and build some context for those listening and rewind the clock. You've obviously had a very prestigious career um, and I'm curious to know where it all started. Let's let's rewind the clock. Set the scene for us, Rick. What was it like? You know, take us back to your childhood home. So where'd you grow up and what was your parents like and what did you want to do with your life at the time? Things like that. Well, that's, that's really interesting because you're going way back. But I uh, was born and raised till I was about 15 years old, just north of New York City in Westchester County, just outside of White Plains, New York. So I was an East Coaster originally. Growing up, I was one of eight kids. We had a big family, Italian Catholic, had a wonderful childhood, uh, went to a great school uh, called Pocanico Hills, which was on the Rockefeller Estates. You know, just really great. But then everything changed, and this kind of impacts, you know, what I did later in my career. My dad passed away when I was really young in sixth grade. He was only 46 years old and died of a heart attack, mostly lifestyle things that we know about now. But like, you know, he was a heavy smoker, ate a lot of red meat, high stress, that type of thing. And, um, you know, the fact that that happened to him really impacted me and what I chose to be interested in from a marketing standpoint later in life. But anyway, after my dad passed away, my family moved down to Daytona Beach, Florida, a great place to, to live. I actually went to college back up north in Westminster, a small college in western Pennsylvania. I played mm. football in college, and we were NAIA, NAIA Division Three, and we won the national championship to my junior and senior years, 1977 nice. and 78, which was a great experience. I was an outside linebacker. But anyway, I, I, in college, believe it or not, I was a biology major because I had a good friend in high school and we both said, hey, you know, thinking about careers, we wanted to be dentists. So I was studying biology because that's one of the things you need to do to get into dental school. And I actually applied to the University of Pittsburgh Dental School, was accepted, but then thought to myself, I don't really feel like going to four more years of school right now. So I went back home to Daytona Beach, Florida became kind of a bum for a year. My mom didn't really like that. I was a bartender and a lifeguard, you know, just enjoying life. And I started reading a lot of books on how people were making money. And back then, and even today, it's, you know, making money through real estate, investing in real estate. And I read a lot of these books. And I actually went to a seminar 
and the guy that was putting it on was just getting started. And I went out and did what he said and and bought a distressed property, turned around and sold it and made like $12,000 in two weeks. And for me at that time, 22 years old, I was it was like a million dollars. And so I was yeah. so grateful. I called a local business magazine, got him a story, and his business started to take off. And he asked me if I wanted to help him with his marketing. And that's how I kind of, you know, made the transition from biology into marketing. And to give you kind of a reference, you know, this was pre-internet. We were using newspaper ads to promote these real estate seminars. But I did start to learn the basics of direct response marketing and, you know, using advertising vehicles to get people to respond. And, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, that's kind of how my career started. Uh, So first off, I find this super fascinating uh, because not everybody's open to opportunity like you were. Just the fact that you were willing to go to a seminar and learn something new at that young of an age, like you, you were already kind of on this path to discovering something that was going to be different for you just through staying open to the possibility that there could be something better out there. Why do you think that you were that way? I guess is my question, because you know, there's so many people a, that aren't that way. It's a, it's a great question. I don't know the reason why I was that way. I've always loved to read. And, you know, when I, after I graduated from college, I was just interested in how people became successful. So I would kind of alternate. I would read a motivational book like uh, back then, this is kind of pre-Tony Robbins, uh, like Norman Vincent Peale or W. Clement Stone. These are old time, you know, motivational self-improvement authors. And, And then I would also read books about real estate. And, you know, I just really, I don't know how to answer your question, except that I just always had a personal motivation to try things, um, explore and try to better my life. And, you know, and, and at that age, you know, in my early twenties, uh, like a lot of people, you, you have a drive to like, what, what can you do to be successful? And I think that was really the biggest spark that, that led me to, to, to start going to seminars and reading so many books and that type of thing. So now you leverage that into this position, this job with this, this real estate, this real estate investing trainer, essentially, right? Yes. And so you start learning a lot about direct response marketing. Can can you really quickly just give us a definition of direct response? Like, what's the difference between direct response marketing and marketing? Yeah, that's a good point. My best description of it is when you're doing direct response marketing or direct marketing, any type of advertising you do is always measurable. So you always know exactly if I spend a dollar here, how much revenue are how many leads that that dollar generates. So you can measure every single thing that you do. You know, another word for it is called accountable advertising. And, you know, now in the days of online advertising, the internet, it's pretty commonplace. But back then it wasn't, it it used the big, you know, 800 pound gorilla at the time was what we call brand advertising, which is where you'd run a bunch of nice looking ads and hope somebody would buy your product but you really couldn't measure it. So I think the best definition of direct response advertising is that it's it's measurable and you can determine what the ROI is on your ads. Yeah, okay, so, so now a little bit of context here. Talk to us what those beginning days were like. Obviously, direct response marketing now has moved largely online and almost entirely online, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, but at that point, it was more like the Kevin Harrington as seen on TV 
uh, model, right? So can can you talk us through like just what that industry looks like and the landscape of that industry back then? Yeah, and I can uh, kind of weave that into kind of the next steps in my story. So I was working for this guy, made his uh, seminar business very successful and said, well, now that I know how to do this type of marketing, I'm going to go out and try it on my own. And I basically said, well, if this would work in real estate, maybe it would work for the stock market. So I went to the bookstore, always a great place to get ideas. I went into the business opportunity section and I found a book that called How to Make a Million in the Stock Market. I called up the author, we made some cassette tapes and we made I made one of my very first television infomercials, again, a direct response television ad. You know, you hear about stories, and I'm sure you've had guests on before, about like the early days of Facebook advertising and how you'd get like a 10, 10 times return. And maybe even people are still doing that today. But in the early days of the infomercial business, it was the very same way. When you put something on TV, if you spent a dollar, you could easily get back a five or ten dollar return. So that program became very successful. I, I th- we, we were running it on the precursor to CNBC, which was called the Financial News Network. And um, all we did was just buy some time from them. Basically, people would order. We would ship them. Again, we, we were using cassette tapes because that was the way people digested information back then. And um, eventually, I want to kind of tie this together where I told you that, you know, my father passed away early. I was always interested in health. And so after the success of the stock market program, I went to another seminar and I heard this guy speaking. His name was Jay Cordich, and they know him now as the juice man. And I said, well, maybe I could promote, do real estate, do um, uh, health and nutrition seminars the same way we did real estate seminars. And Mm -hmm. we made a deal with Jay to be the spokesperson for the business. We manufactured the juicer and we started doing live juicing seminars, teaching people the benefits of drinking fresh fruits and vegetables from a health perspective. And um, I got into that because of what happened when I was younger, when, uh, you know, just always being interested in, in, in health and that type of thing. Yeah. So what was, was that like, was the Juice Man your big kind of breakout product? Yes, it definitely was. We, we first started working with him in 1989. And from 1989 to 1993, about four years, the business grew from zero to about 75 million in sales. And oh um, just we were in the right place at the right time with the right product and, and we're doing the right marketing. And it was just, you know, very successful. We ended up in 1993 selling that business. I was in the business with my brother and another partner uh, to a company called Salton Housewares. And Salton was located in Chicago. And they bought the business for two reasons. One, they wanted to buy the Juice Man brand. We also had developed a product, a bread machine that was the Bread Man brand. So they were buying those two appliance brands from us, but also they were buying, wanted to learn how to do that type of marketing because they were a housewares manufacturer and they were open to new types of marketing. They brought me, once they bought the company, I took a little bit of time off and then they bought two products one was a homemade bagel maker, and the other one was a slanted grill that used to be a, a fajita maker. And 
that fajita burger, the reason it was slanted was people would cook hamburger meat, they'd scrape it into a taco shell, and that, but it didn't really sell very much. Well, we turned that slanted grill into the George Foreman grill and probably the most successful infomercial of all time. I think they've sold over 150 million units since it debuted. 150 million units. Units, not dollars, units. Wow. Several billion dollars of, of wow. sale just for that one product. And, you know, I, I did George's first infomercial and went to his house and filmed him. Great guy. And, I, you know, I'm still working with him today on some other projects and stuff. So it was a great relationship that started way back in, I think that was 1995 or six. Okay. So when you did the Juice Men then, your sole purpose was selling those, was selling that product, right? Like you weren't helping a bunch of other people with their infomercials at the time. You were just like, let's sell this one product. And no, at that at the business. Yeah. I own the, I own the business with my brother and another partner. Yeah. We were doing the marketing for ourselves once we sold that business, then people started coming to us and saying, hey, we would like to you know, hire you to do that same type of marketing. And actually, the first company that came to us, I was living in Seattle, and a friend of mine, you talk about networking, a friend of mine said, hey, there's this small company in Bellevue that has a great product, but they're having trouble marketing it. And the name of the company was Optiva Corporation, and the product was the Sonicare toothbrush. And it was a great technology, but they were having trouble selling it because it was a $150 toothbrush when the most people were used to paying was, you know, a couple bucks for a toothbrush. So we had to do a whole, you know, educational you know, infomercial about gum disease, teaching people the benefits of the sonic technology. And that was the second really big, big hit that, that I had. But I was doing that one from more of an agency perspective. Yeah, got it. Got it. So, so how old were you when you sold the Juice Man, uh, when you sold that whole product? I was in my company? early 30s. Uh, let's see, 93. And I was born in 56. So what is that? 37, 36, 37, something like that. Yeah, yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent 
fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this is such an incredible, incredible story to follow, Rick, because to me, it, just, it seems like you're somebody that knows an opportunity when you see it. And, you know, we could go through this entire list now and, and, and pinpoint those opportunities. And now that they're successful, everybody can see it, right? The Juice Man, the yeah. Sonic Air, the George Foreman, OxyClean, right? All these different, you know, GoPro, these different types of products that before they were world-renowned and famous, you saw an opportunity there. Are there any stories that you can think of that you can tell us of times where you saw an opportunity where it didn't end up working out or maybe a product that you thought was going to be great and it didn't end up working? There's a couple of those, and I'll talk about that, but also why I think I've had success in finding products that quote unquote work. You know, if you're looking at a brand new invention that's never been out in the marketplace, it could be the greatest invention in the world, but you really haven't tested it and there hasn't been consumer feedback that they like the product. And I think one of the things that I've been able to do in my career is find products when they're very small, but they're not brand new. And, you know, when I was started working with Sonic Care, they were doing about a million dollars in sales and the consumers were reacting favorably to the product. And what I've been able to do from a marketing perspective then is take something small and, you know, put a magnifying glass on it or put some gasoline onto the, the, the business, whatever, through the direct response marketing, because it's, it's a great way for small companies to leverage their ad dollars. And every big success, like you were talking about the billion dollar brands and things, all of those started that were having some initial success in the marketplace. And I was able to see that and recognize that it was not only a good product, but the consumer was validating it. And then I could come in and use some marketing to help it grow. And that that held true, you know, way back for the George Foreman grill all the way up to the GoPro camera, which is a, a really, I know we're skipping a lot of time, but it's a really funny story how I met with the founder of that company. I was I, I go to a lot of trade shows looking for products that I think might be successful. And I went to the outdoor retailing trade show in Salt Lake City. This is probably about 2011 or, or 12, you know, maybe yeah, or somewhere in that time frame. Anyway, Nick Woodman, the founder of the company, was just getting started with his business. He was a surfer. He developed a camera so he could take pictures of himself while he was surfing. And um, he was at the show and selling the product out of the back of a Volkswagen bus. And I, he had a big crowd around him. And I thought, hey, there's something to this. Right after the show, he flew up to Seattle. And I remember we sat down at a restaurant on Lake Union. And he ordered chili cheese, cheese fries and a beer. And I think I had a hamburger or something. And he outlined how he wanted to build this company, even though they were doing less than a million in sales into a billion dollar company. And to be honest with you, we kind of talked through all the steps of a marketing plan right at that meeting. But, you know, he give him the credit to going back and implementing everything. And so we did all the television marketing for the GoPro cameras. Every time you saw a TV commercial, that was one that we helped make and bought the media time for. Got it. Got it. So this is something that has been able to follow you throughout 
throughout your entire career now, Rick. And yep. we've already touched on relationships a little bit just because when you when I've found that anytime I have a conversation with somebody that's as successful um, as you are, it's inevitably due to some of the relationships they've been able to carry throughout their life. So can you do me a favor and kind of look through, you know, the past the stories you just told or maybe some different stories you haven't told? And can can you pinpoint certain like key relationships that you had with people? And if so, can you tell us about why those relationships are so important? Yeah. And, you know, I, I was really looking forward to your podcast, Travis, because I would say that networking and relationships have been really the single source of my continued success. And, you know, I was thinking about how best to communicate that. But, you know, I, I can go back to the juice man. He had a business advisor named Jack Lee, and Jack was a successful entrepreneur. He owned a chain of uh, Wendy's restaurants in Portland, Oregon. And he was the most connected guy I've ever met in my life. And he was a mentor to me. And I really learned from him to develop relationships because you never know when you need something, you can pick up the phone and say, I know this person and that they can help. And so that started way back in um, 1990. And I really learned a lot from him. And then as I would get involved with these different businesses, you know, you develop relationships with people. And I've always been a big believer in under-promising and over-delivering and, mm -hmm. and have never uh, always basically just part of doing business, developing the relationships. And I, you know, when I had my agency, knock on wood, I never had to really do any lead gen. I built a whole agency business and it just came from referrals from happy customers and people I had relationships with. And I've always been a big believer in helping someone whenever you can necessarily charging for it, but doing favors, helping them. And then that comes back to you 10 times over. I've found. Yeah, that that's the key right there is consistently adding value, but then trusting that it's going to come back at some point because uh, that, that's the that's the big conversation that I've had with a bunch of people on the show, Rick, and that's really why the show exists is to convince people that networking is a good use of your time, even if you can't see how it benefits you currently right now or in the next thirty days or whatever. And I think that people sometimes have a, a hard time, you know, spending their time building relationships because. If they spend their time doing sales calls, they can track the ROI from the time that they're investing into that task, right? Whereas relationships, it's like, well, I met, I could, you know, you can meet somebody tomorrow that doesn't affect your life until 13 years from now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've had that exact same experience. So two things I want to mention is, you know, for me personally, when I do things for people, it's not necessarily with an expectation that I'm going to get something in return, and I don't expect something to come back necessarily right away. And I can give you four examples right now where helping someone in the past has brought me current business right today. And I was thinking about that before the show. I had a, I have, I met a guy on LinkedIn that, that offers fulfillment services. Don't know him for, from a hole in the wall, but I just started communicating with them because in direct to consumer marketing, you're always looking for good, you know, fulfillment services and, and just, you know, became LinkedIn friends for lack of a better word. So all of a sudden he reaches out and says, hey, do you, I'm, we're building a 200,000 square foot warehouse in Salt Lake City. Do you happen to know a guy named Mark Swaby? Well, Mark Swaby owns a marketing firm called NetMedia and Mark Swaby 
is a great friend of mine. I've, I've worked with him over the years. So I introduced those two guys and, you know, hopefully they'll be doing some business together. And I didn't really get anything out of it, but just making the connection. But at some point, I feel like some point in the future, something like that will come back to me. A guy that worked for an Israeli-based company named Scott Lyon, he's based in Chicago. I did a project for them five years ago. Scott calls me and says, hey, I, I got another client. I'm helping him with his Costco sales. He wants to do some direct-to-consumer marketing. Would you talk to him? I said, sure. So I, I got another project, a company called Theradome, which is a hair, you know, a hair growth product, one of those uh, laser caps you put on. And it just, you know, it can go on and on like that. My co-author of my book, Jason, referred a company to me called Dormio. And it turns out who's running Dormio, we ended up doing business 10 years ago, and it was kind of like a great reunion. So I can't emphasize enough to your listeners the value of networking and what it's meant for me in my career. So I got to ask you this question, Rick. It's the kind of a staple question of the show, the one that we've asked every guest that's ever come on. Okay. Um, we're almost at almost at 600 episodes now, so it's been a, quite a few people. I'm wow. curious to hear what your answer is. Who you know or what you know, Rick, which of those two do you find to be the most valuable asset in life and why? I was thinking about that because I, I read that on your website, and um, I'm going to get out of it by saying both are important. At the end of the day, I believe it's what you know is the foundation to, you have to have some expertise in something. You can't just network your way without a skill set. So I feel like you need to have a skill set as the foundation and then layer on the networking if you want to be ultra successful. So mm -hmm. if I had to just pick one of them, it would be the skill set or expertise that would maybe initially attract people to you. But then if you don't network, you're never going to, nobody's going to hear about you or you're never going to grow. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So as we, as we kind of move into the close of this conversation, Rick, what would be your practical, down-to-earth tactic advice for somebody listening right now that would be a self-identified bad networker? Like they just don't enjoy the activity. They find it mostly to be a waste of time. They haven't gotten much value from it in the past. But what would be the top, you know, two or three needle movers for somebody like that? In real life, you know, you mentioned Kevin Harrington before. I know Kevin really well. Kevin's a really personable guy. You know, you always see him out in groups and everything. I've always been more behind the scenes and, you know, not a guy that likes big social gatherings. But then how do you network when you're, that's not really your personality? And T, with all the different social media, especially something like, I'm always like going through, you know, how they serve up people and they say, oh, here's some people you might want to know. And I look for things that are that I might be interested in. I'll look for somebody who's a copywriter because I know I might use that copywriting skill. Or I'll look for someone that's in the fulfillment services. Or I'll look for somebody that's in advertising. And I just um, reach out, be friends with them. And then, you know, if in, in a lot of cases, just ask some questions. And then I have a big thing on my computer file, which I it's under the heading recipe, uh, resumes. And I probably have... 50 different categories. And I just pe put people in there. Uh, you know, they could be TV hosts, they could be voiceover artists. And then when I need something, I'll go to this file and I'll reach out to these people and say, hey, I'm making a commercial and I need a voiceover. Would you be interested? I'm making a, co a commercial. And I need a copywriter. Would you be in? And these are people I don't even know, but I like to test people 
give them a chance and hopefully they do a good job and then I have a new relationship. So to me, that's my go-to thing right now is the, the LinkedIn social media part of things. Love that. Perfect, perfect way to get this thing wrapped up here, Rick, with a really great piece of tactical, practical advice. Let's go ahead and move on to the last segment, something I have to call the random round. Just quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Fishing guide. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Winston Churchill. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I'm an early riser. I I live on the West Coast now, but I grew up on the East Coast. And so I'm up at 5 a.m. every day, no alarm clock, and I get a heck of a lot of work done in the morning when the first couple hours. Then I'll do a, a short workout, take a shower, eat a healthy breakfast, and then dive into my meetings. What is your go to pump up song? (laughs) <laughs> That's a good one. I don't I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I'm not I'm not a <laughs> big big music person. I, I like just in general, I like classic rock. What is something that you are just not very good at, Rick? There's a lot of things I'm not very good at. I'm not very technical. You, you know, um I always have to have someone help me with technology and computers and things like that. So that that would is one of the biggest things that um, is I would say is is one of my weaknesses. What is one place as we get everything wrapped up? One place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most. Probably the best place to connect with me is my website, which is rickcesari.com. R i c k c e s a r i. Rickcesari.com. Also, if you have any questions about any type of marketing, send me an email rick at rickcesari.com. I'm happy to help, happy to answer questions. I really enjoy helping people. Well, there you guys have it. I mean, you guys hear so many amazing people here on the show, and I I would be willing to bet that only a small percentage of you actually reach out to people when they give you their email address, just like Rick just did. The the, the mind behind marketing for so many literally billion-dollar brands just gave you his email address and said to reach out with with any marketing questions. So it'd be crazy if you didn't do that. That's rick at rickcesari.com. Uh, one more time, it's R-I-C-K, Rick, and then Cesari is C-E-S-A-R-I, uh, rickcesari.com. So please, please, please reach out to Rick, take advantage of that offer. And uh, and then if you want to follow a little bit more about the things that he has going on, that's rickcesari.com for all of those things as well. Rick, thank you so much for uh, spending the time uh, with me here on the show today. I know our listeners enjoyed the conversation just like I did. So really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, Travis. I really enjoyed it. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.